0: want you to look at your hand. Front, the back, each finger, nails, lines, whatever. Consider your hand. What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? (laughs) Are there any particular skills or strengths that your hand has? What does your hand enable you to do? Are there any particular ways that your hand has been difficult or painful for you? What would your life be like without it? Some perhaps have had to learn what it's like to live without a hand, and then its necessity becomes even more clear to them. Now I want you to look at your knee. There are many of you, I know, your knee is covered up, so you'll just have to remember what it looks like. But in Bullhead, you probably weren't short, so there you go. What do you like about your knee? What don't you like about it? Some of you have gotten a new one recently, or two. Are there any particular strengths that your knee has? What does your knee enable you to do? Are there any particular ways that your knee has been difficult or painful for you. If you've had knee trouble or knee replacement, perhaps you are aware just how essential this particular body part is for you. Consider both your hand and your knee. How do they benefit you? What would your life be like if you did not have your hand or your knee or both hands or both knees? Both your hands and your knees are gifts to you from God. Sometimes they might be painful to you. Sometimes they may be difficult. Sometimes they may not do what you want them to or what you expect them to do. I learned that as I get older, my body does a lot less of what I expected it to do. But they are yours, both your hand and your knee. You are much better off with them than without them. They are yours, parts of you unified as one body. Now I want you to look around the sanctuary. Not the walls, not the altar furnishings, or the pulpit, or not. Don't even look at me. Look at the people. Not their hands or their knees, but look at them. Look at their faces, and as you look around, ask yourself what particular strengths do you see among the people here? What do you like about them? Consider these people around you. They, like your hands and your knees, are a part of you, and you are a part of them. We are all parts of the body of Christ. He is our head. Just as your hands and your knees are gifts to you, gifts from God, so are these people around you gifts to you from God and you to them. They may at times be very pleasant gifts. At other times, like your hands or your knees, they may cause you difficulty or pain. Like your hands and your knees... They may not always do what you want them to do or what you expect them to do, but like your hands and your knees, you are much better with them than without them. They enable Christ to accomplish things that you could not do without them. They are yours and you are theirs, parts unified and growing together as one body. The body of Christ the church so this basically is the message that Paul has for the Ephesians here in our epistle text and its message is true for us today he's just spent three chapters captivating them with the marvels that Christ has done for them many of which we've read over the last several weeks in the epistle lessons he has proclaimed to them that Christ predestined them to be his and he comforts them without thought. Christ has saved them by his gracious intervention on the cross and by his glorious resurrection. He is risen and he has made them alive when they were dead. So, how do you think about the church? What is this place in which we gather each and every week? Who are these people with whom we are united? Sadly, some churches have had the idea that their assembly is simply a museum for saints on display. Look how good we are. Look how righteous we are. Look at what we have done for God. But, dear friends in Christ, or should I say, dear body parts in Christ, the church is not a museum. We do not simply kick back and revel in our past accomplishments, patting ourselves on the back for what we have done in the past. Another image that's been used for the church is that of a hospital. Brandon Manning, in his famous book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, says that the church is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. We are here because we are in need of care in need of the sweet medicine that can come only from God's precious gifts to us. The Lord's gifts of word and sacrament comfort us. They heal our brokenness. They restore us to the fullness of life. We are, most, we are truly most alive when we are alive in Him. And every single week we come back in here stumbling back, bruised, broken, beaten down, kicked around by the world in our own sinful nature pleading once again, Lord, have mercy. And each week, he gives to us healing and life, and he once again sends us back out into the world to carry out his work. I've been thinking about this image of the church as a hospital for some time, and it got me thinking that what Paul says here in Ephesians reflects many of the ways that even our hospitals have changed in the last few decades. What do most hospitals have today as part of their treatment options that wasn't as prevalent or common in years past? They all have a rehab facility now. A place to exercise, to get back up to strength with the right training so that the patients are once again equipped to deal with the challenges of everyday life. God has given us this very same kind of healing in the church. Not just to be cured from the affliction of our sin, that's the first step, but also to be strengthened and building us up, as Paul calls it, with the body of Christ. God has given these gifts in his church for bodybuilding as well. Paul says this, Rather than speak, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here we really see the interconnectedness of the body. For the past several months and overall for the past several years, I've been working to try to get myself into better physical shape. It's easier said than done. And the text from Ephesians this week got me thinking about how necessary each and every one of our body parts are. For example, in order to exercise your upper body muscles, you lift weights. But without your hands and all the other muscles in your body, you'd be unable to do so. So, too, do we need each other for the rehabilitation and bodybuilding of our spiritual muscles. For the building up of Christ's body The church. All of us together are used by God for the strengthening and building up of His church, both in strengthening individual members as well as adding new members to His body. Even though we don't have a gym full of treadmills, ellipticals, weight machines, and dumbbells, Isaac has also introduced me to this concept of a machine called the assault bike. And it's an exercise bike. Then you also have to pedal with your hands at the same time. And it looks like a death sentence. (laughs) What's that? You came here to hear good news. We don't have any of that stuff here. The prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, Paul says, for pastors, our job is to get you to do our job. He has sent pastors and teachers to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. And that is to share the love of Jesus as you go about your everyday lives with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. And in so doing, the body of Christ is built up. We are drawn nearer to each other by being drawn closer to God. Unity is not exactly a concept that is easy for us to comprehend in today's culture. Rugged individualism is the prized possession of the American spirit. In order for God, every parchance bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Unity does not come from sharing the same opinions. Unity comes from Christ in baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. It's with this perspective that we can see that unity is something that God does. And this is why St. Paul here urges us not to create unity, but rather, he says, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is done by bearing with one another in love and with something that we can all learn from, with all humility, gentleness, patience, patience. There's an old African proverb that states, It takes we to be me. This is so true for our lives together as God's people. I am because we are, and we are because he is. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of our God, which surpasses all of our human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you please rise as we confess our Christian faith together in the words of the Nicene Creed? I believe in one God. I